Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You see, when sugar had more value than silver and gold, they kill everybody and they weaken the soul. It was captured in Africa through the worst forms of brutality and waiting in barracoons near by the sea was waiting for the slave ship to come for we was waiting to die on that perilous journey. Oh gosh, it's still about me. This is Nigel DeGale. He's a head teacher and poet. In fact, he's the poet who spoke at the ceremony for my family's official apology to the people of Grenada for the role of our ancestors in enslaving theirs. Jumping down sugar cane, was walking in the hot sun and walking in the rain, walking through all kind of weather, walking through hurricane. Oh gosh, it's still about me. Oh gosh, it's still about me. We've come to visit the Grenada Community and Resource Library, where Nigel's class spend time after school hours. He's been giving a rousing performance. They're all in fits of giggles, despite the subject matter. But we're going to speak to the children in his class about reparations and hear their questions about it. Turn around, folks. Squeeze up. And shake up. OK, you may be seated now. So this evening we are more than happy to have with us traveling for thousands of miles to get here. Grenadian by associate, Miss Laura Tripelian. Give her a big hand. She's a lady that promised to compensate through reparation money, Grenada, because her family years ago own estates and slaves and more or less profited from slavery but she's a very kind-hearted lady one in a billion to take that bold step to decide from her own pocket to try to right the wrongs give her a wonderful round of applause we salute you laura welcome and this man with the short pants is a Canadian too He's a member of the British Parliament. He's a parliamentarian. Give him a big hand. Clive what? Clive Lewis. Clive Lewis, yeah. His roots are from St. John's, Bob de Lance, Grenada. Give him a nice Grenada welcome. Say yay! So they, they are here this evening to interact with you, boys and girls, to get your feeling on the whole topic of reparation, meaning fixing something that went wrong. Who is going first? Yes. Yes. What's your question? I'm asking them, Mrs. Shabriyan, how many estates did your family own in Grenada? Between the period of 1757 to when they sold them in the late 19th I wanted to come here with Clive to meet the next generation of Grenadians because I'm hoping the money I've donated to education in Grenada will help children like these. 
Grenada's National Reparations Committee has set up a subcommittee, in fact, to decide exactly how the $127,000 I donated will be spent. And actually, this library is an example of how the education system here could really do with more funding. It's one of the only community libraries on the island and is in danger of closing down because of the lack of money, Clive. I know, and when we were there, we heard from so many people asking us, do we know someone that could help with the finances? Do we know someone in government? They're really desperate to keep this open. It's such a brilliant resource. It's not just the books, it's somewhere for the kids to come. Many of them have parents who are both working full-time jobs, so there's no one at home, and this is the place for them to come and read and meet their friends. You can see how badly needed it is. Right, and as parents, we know just how important it is to read to young children, how it helps with their emotional, social development, storytelling. And it was so inspiring to see all those brightly coloured books there. But then also, just to me, it really underlined how education in Grenada is underfunded, you know, compared to, say, Britain or the United States. And, and that's why funding in education is such an important part of the reparations plan that the Caribbean has for the former colonial powers, you know, to try to fund education properly, because one of the legacies of enslavement was illiteracy when slavery was abolished, Clive. That's right, Laura. When we talk about reparatory justice, people often think of big lump sums of money. But that's not the only option. Education is one of the areas Nicole and my dad spoke about when we asked them what reparations could mean. But in this episode, we're going to explore exactly what a reparatory justice agreement with Britain could look like. What do people here actually want? This is Heirs of Enslavement. Last time, we heard about the history and legacies of slavery, the things that people still feel the trauma of today. But what I want to know is what that means for the island as a whole. What is it that Grenadians and people around the Caribbean want reparations to address? Well, Clive, when I started having conversations about what my family should be doing to try and repair the damage that our ancestors did in the past to try and make reparation, I spoke to three key people. We've heard from two of them already in this series, Nicole Philip Dow and Professor Sir Hilary Beckles. But in this episode, we're going to talk to the third pivotal person, and that's Arlie Gill. Allow me to, to welcome Clive to Grenada. I think he hasn't been here for a while. He needs to come more often. <laughs> <laughs> if, that's an, if that's an open invite, I certainly will. <laughs> Now, this is my first time meeting Ali, but I have been speaking to him on WhatsApp. I like Ali because Ali, in many ways, reminds me of the kind of politician I wish I was or could be, which is a man of the people. Um, he's down to earth. He's very practical. And he's from Grand Roy, which is just around the corner from Guave. So I was looking really forward to meeting him. And I can tell you, Clive, just how excited Ali was about meeting you from the very first moment that you stood up in Parliament and I sent Ali that clip of you. He was so proud of this son of Grenada there across the Atlantic Ocean in Britain sticking up for the island. 
Oh, that's so nice to hear, Laura. That's actually warm my cockles. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Clive Arley is an absolutely key person in this reparative justice movement. He is the chair of Grenada's National Reparations Committee. He's a historian himself. He was a teacher and he's a very prominent lawyer in Grenada. Uh, he's also been a lawmaker. So we started uh, by asking Arley about the legacies of enslavement in Grenada. There are so many to mention, but I believe one education. We have, let me say that Grenada have done well. You know, I think that we have decent housing by and large. We have quite a lot of university graduates and so on. But when you look at the education system, it's only about 10 years ago, for instance, we have uh, implemented universal secondary school education. Before that, um, students had to be filtered to be placed in the limited um, secondary school schools that we have on island. Now, where we are now, you know, we, we still have a lot of pockets of illiteracy on island. In the Grenada Revolution, 1979, 1983, the problem was so great that the revolutionary government then had a program called CPE, Center for Popular Education, where adults used to go back to school at night to learn to read and write. That is how bad it was. We still have tremendous challenge in our education system and um, also offering an education system that is more diverse in terms of technical subjects and so on. The truth is our governments are strapped for cash to really implement some of the programs which, and the initiatives that we speak of. We know what needs to be done, but of course we lack resources. So education is one of the areas of concern. Our healthcare, um, with the chronic disease of hypertension and diabetes and so on, that continues to be a burden on our finances because governments spend millions every year to provide the medication and the medical care for these persons who are suffering from these um, diseases that we can directly trace to the effects of slavery. How so? The diet, which was uh, fed to enslaved persons, they were basically fed, you know, the remains of, 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 of meats and so on that the slave masters never used to eat. So in Grenada, we eat um, pig feet, cow feet, pig snout, pig ears, all of the fatty foods that's not nutritious. You know, up to today, we still eat those things. It's like a bad habit that never dies or never goes away. Our governments have tried, but of course, with limited resources, there is only so much they can do. And I believe that um, an investment in, 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 in our healthcare on island as part of the reparative justice package will go some way in addressing um, these needs. Listening to that, do you feel that it was simple neglect at the end, when independence came about and at the end of British rule? Or do you feel there was a willful component to it? I think it is more than neglect. I think willful is even a mild word that one can use. It's more like punishment. Um, if you study the history of the colonization in the British Caribbean, the, the British government practically did not leave one cent for the former colonies to begin to pay wages for public servants, 
to build infrastructure and so on. Not one cent in 1974 did the British government provide it to Grenada, which took me to the next point I was about to make. So that from in 1974 to now, we've always been borrowing monies from international lending institutions and governments. So we are heavily indebted. The Caribbean is the most heavily indebted region in the world, and that is not by accident. Because from the one, we've had to borrow monies to run our societies. We've never had a chance, frankly, you know, so that we have a very high debt to GDP ratio, maybe one sixty percent or thereabouts. It means that for every dollar that the national treasury earns, we have to spend about sixty cents or thereabouts in, in servicing debt. Now, that is unsustainable really. And if it is as part of the reparative package, justice package, we can have debt cancellation. Can you imagine the millions of dollars that we can then reallocate to constructing roads and bridges and hospitals and medical centers and schools and making uh, university education um, available to our nationals and so on? So to you, Ali, what do reparations for the Caribbean look like? The socio-economic development program. You know, we have had recent studies, and I, I suspect there will be other institutions and so on that will try to put a dollar figure as a value to the work of the enslaved and the human lives and so on. But at the end of the day, could we really accurately cost the damage which was caused? So that, personally, I don't think we can ever accurately put a dollar figure to it. But I believe sincerely that some measures must be put in place, some compensation, some effort must be made by those who planned, insured, executed, carried out the indigenous genocide, slavery, and the slave trade. So I think Ali there has done something very important. Because for many people, the idea that the Caribbean is some kind of tropical paradise, that we left it as this lovely island state that is the, where people have these kind of nice, healthy existences. And we've moved from that to, okay, well, perhaps we neglected them and didn't do what we should, um, to where Ali there seems to be saying, actually, this was deliberate. This was something we deliberately did because you wanted independence. You wanted to break away from the empire. Well, okay, you're going to have your cake and you're going to eat it. And I think that's something very different. And, you know, he is not angry, but he is definitely someone with a kind of laser-like focus on what has happened and what is required to change that. A really impressive individual. Right. And what's so interesting about it, isn't it, is it's not just the legacy of enslavement, but the legacy of how the Caribbean was treated at independence. And Grenada, it's almost exactly 50 years since Grenada became independent from Britain. And Ali was saying that, you know, left with no money. 
And let's not forget, Grenada and the other Caribbean islands were hardly swimming in resources before independence. Coming up after the break... Going to Martinique and coming from Grenada was quite an eye-opener in itself, because Martinique is, is a department of France, and they are considered French. So any benefits that they have in France, those benefits are reflected in Martinique, Guadeloupe, St. Martin, St. Bart's. So those are very wealthy countries. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All of this is why, Clive, in 2014, the Caribbean community, CARICOM as it's known, came up with the 10-point reparations plan, which is basically an ask to the former colonial powers, Britain, France, Portugal, Spain, asking them to begin negotiations with the Caribbean on the basis of this 10-point plan for reparations. And the first point is a full formal apology for slavery. And the points include investment in health and education, debt forgiveness, uh, all things that Ali outlined the importance of there. And when we spoke to Professor Sir Hilary Beckles, remember he is the chair of CARICOM's Reparations Commission, as well as being Vice-Chancellor of the University of the West Indies, we asked him what the 10-point plan did, and this is what he said to us. Reparations is a strategy for social healing, for economic development, and for building citizenship and viable nations. It's about giving these economies a chance. They have a right to an economic development plan from Britain. I have said over and over again, and many economists have said this, that Britain has had 200 years of free labor, unpaid labor, from 20 million people. 20 million people unpaid for 200 years is a phenomenal extraction of wealth. And just to put back a portion of that to facilitate infrastructure, schools, bridges, education, health is not only legally necessary and correct, but it's also morally and ethically sound. And therefore reparations is really about returning to the scene of your crime, returning to the scene of the crime and helping the victims to rehabilitate to move to a higher level. They have a right to it. Now, all those things that Sir Hillary references, the infrastructure, bridges, schools, have made me think about another conversation I had, Laura. Hello. 
What's your full name, Russell? It's Russell. Fielder. Russell Fielder. Yeah. Okay. So and how did you, what's your title there? Owner of the True Blue Hotel, or um, I usually refer to myself as the founder now the because founder. the okay. owner's actually my daughter's. <laughs> While we were at the library, I got chatting to Russell Fieldham. Russ's family helped support the library, and they also own and run the True Blue Bay Resort, where we stayed on our trip. He's British, but he's lived in Grenada since the 1980s, and I thought it would be interesting to get his take as someone who's lived in both places. I first arrived here in, uh, in 1980, 1981, and they were in the middle of a revolution. And it was, uh, it was a quite an eye-opener for me, actually, because, you know, I'd sailed across from the UK. I had a little sailboat. Um, my sister was with me, and she was very pregnant at the time, um, which was unfortunate because there wasn't much in the way of hospitalisation here. There was no, very few doctors. I ended up going to Martinique. So... Uh, Going to Martinique and coming from Grenada was quite an eye-opener in itself because Martinique is, is a department of France and they are considered French. So any benefits that they have in France, those benefits are reflected in Martinique, Guadeloupe, St. Martin, St. Barts. So those are very wealthy countries. Um, whereas when you come down through the, the British Caribbean, um, St. Vincent, Dominica, St. Lucia, uh, Grenada, um, it was obvious the standard of living was way below that of Martinique. And of course, I mean, incomparably low compared with what you see in the UK. I mean, the hospital here was very questionable at best. The education system was, was poor. The literacy was low. I mean, it still is very low. Um, so it was obvious at that time that there was, there was something amiss. There was something wrong. So seeing all the, uh, the poverty, and it really was, it was, there was serious, abject poverty um, in those days, and, and it still is today to some extent. It has changed, oh, hasn't it, since then? It's changed but, yes, you know, radically. But listening to, I mean, looking at the children and where they go home to live, I've seen, I've seen poverty in Grenada myself. Yes. It is different to poverty in the UK, and, and it's not yeah. just the poverty that individuals face, it's also... I've seen the, the lack of infrastructure, the fact that the hospitals are nowhere near what they are in the United Kingdom, even with you know, the 7 million right. waiting list in the UK. They're still yeah. in a, a world away, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, there's, there's different sorts of poverty. I mean, people don't go starving hungry here. You know, there are, is bread fruit, there's grand provisions. But the poverty in Grenada is different to the poverty in the UK. In the UK, people are poor, they haven't got food, they haven't got eating but you've got the poverty of lack of education, and that's a poverty. You've got poverty in that you don't have proper health care. And, and those are two critical factors to, for the development of any society. And being able to look after the very poor is a real um, problem. So you work quite closely with the government in your role as, a, with the, as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur here. Yeah. Um, they're still facing problems, aren't they? Oh, They're, gosh, huge problems. You're talking, telling me about the, uh, the energy generating company and the kind of yes. debacle of that and what they were doing. Yeah, back in the 1990s, the energy system in Grenada was appalling. It was, uh, it was off more than it was on. The electricity was just, I mean, if you got four hours of current a day, you were doing well. And the government at the time, uh, uh, they um, did a deal with a uh, foreign, with, with the United States, basically, um, and the IMF. World Bank to lend them some money, and the money was lent to them. 
um, and they were told that they could get a, they would have to go to a, uh, a short list of American companies who would sort out the problem. So the money came from one hand and was given straight back to an American company on the other hand, who actually came in and did a great job in sorting out our infrastructure in terms of electricity. But the promise at that time that uh, the economy would grow by 15%, or whatever the percentage was, because it never happened. So the loan took a long time to pay off. And, and what did Grenada actually ultimately get out of it? I mean, it was extraction. All the way down the line, it's, it's been extraction. It does seem mind-boggling that you spend hundreds of years exploiting people in a most brutal way. Yes. And then, even after they've been um, freed, so yeah. to speak, you have a kind of quite brutal, violent, exploitative apartheid system. And then you give them independence and you leave them with literally nothing Absolutely. and you carry on exploiting. Yes, I oh. know. It's amazing, isn't it? So what would, you, what would you say to people in the UK listening to this, you know, who perhaps have come to the Caribbean, you know, enjoyed the beaches, enjoyed the hotels, thinking they wouldn't know anything about this? No, they don't. Unless they start talking to me and I'm quite vocal about it. So. But yeah, it's true. I mean, people in the UK don't understand the problems that the Caribbean nations face. I mean, they, they see the sun, the sea, and the sand, and, you know, it's beautiful weather, friendly, smiling people, but there is under, underlying, underneath that, there's a, there's a real problem going on here. And, and we have to solve it somehow or other. It has to be resolved. You know, it's just fascinating, Clive, hearing you talk to Ross there, because... The French Caribbean islands that were where people were enslaved by the French, like Martinique, Guadeloupe, they're not independent. They're still part of the French state. And Ross was saying that they're really pretty well funded. And in the aftermath of hurricanes, you see a very strong French presence in the Caribbean, uh, in contrast, really, to what happens with the islands that were formerly British. So, it is really stark, just these legacies of underdevelopment over time and how everything just cascades so that, you know, it's really hard for these islands, which, by the way, are successful societies doing the absolute best they can, but how you're you're doing it with one hand really tied behind your back when you don't have the infrastructure or, or the backup. Yeah. I mean, Grenada is independent, but it is still part of the Commonwealth, but it doesn't feel that they're sharing in much of that wealth. It doesn't feel very common to them, does it? And, you know, it's even compared to other European powers, Britain is behind the curve in what it's doing to help Grenada and other former Caribbean colonies to kind of pick themselves up and to do something in terms of the climate crisis, in terms of education, in terms of infrastructure. So I think it's it's it feels shameful. I, I, I can say that this isn't about reparations, isn't about making people feel guilty, but it does feel embarrassing to hear that. And, um, you know, when someone puts it as simply as that, it's hard to understand why things aren't moving more. And so, next time, we'll be asking what's been done so far. And could the threat to the Caribbean islands from climate change be the thing that moves reparatory justice forward? We in the Caribbean are the canaries in the mine. Uh, because we are small islands by the equator, uh, the equator is where global warming has got its biggest impact. So we're seeing the biggest increases of sea levels. So this is very serious to us. That's next time on Heirs of Enslavement. 
Heirs of Enslavement is a Persephonica production. It was presented by me, Laura Trevelyan, and Clive Lewis. Our producer is Rosie Stouffer. Our beautiful steel pan theme is by Andre Greenidge, with additional scored music from Senna Verdi. The sound design is by Aerophon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.